Well, hello, good evening, everybody. Let me add my welcome. Uh, We're we're looking at James chapter 2 this evening from verses uh, 14 down to 26. Heading over the passage, faith without works is dead. Uh, Let's just pray. Father, we thank you that we have your open word before us, your living word. We ask that your Holy Spirit would give help and be at work in all of our hearts and lives, that we might respond to your word and that this might be for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just read the passage uh, through together. James chapter 2, and reading at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, Without giving them the the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers And sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead. So also faith apart from works is dead. Amen. Uh, Let's just take a minute to remind ourselves of the context here. Uh, James is writing to churches that are dying. And he has diagnosed a common condition within these churches. And it's the condition of double-mindedness. These dying churches are full of double-minded people. The word double-minded comes from a Greek word meaning two-souled. And it really means um, to have a divided heart. A heart that is not wholly given to serving God. You might remember in chapter 1, James describes double-minded people as being unstable. Chapter 1, verse 8. 
And this double-mindedness, this divided approach to living for God, it is manifesting itself across every area of church life within these churches. In chapter 1, uh, there is a divided attitude to God's word between hearing and doing, rather than a wholehearted obedience to God's word. Last week in chapter 2, we saw division in their attitude and relationships towards others in the church. They were showing partiality to the rich and influential, rather than loving and welcoming all for the glory of Jesus Christ, regardless of who they, they are. In chapter 3, the problem is a divided tongue and double-minded speech. And in our passage this evening, it's the issue of a double-minded approach to faith and works. And this cuts deep. It cuts deep right to the very heart of faith. And what real saving faith looks like. The theme of the passage is crystal clear. Three times over, verses 17, verse 20, verse 26, James states that faith without works is dead. A true faith, saving faith, always shows itself in works. It is active, it is visible, it can be seen. Verse 19, James says, I will show you my faith by my works. Faith without works, says James, well, that's not faith at all. You cannot divide faith and works. You cannot have a double-minded approach to faith and works. And so the question for us as we study this passage together, the question for us to contemplate um, as God speaks to us is this. Can my faith be seen? Is my faith visible? And if it's not, then do I really have saving faith in Jesus Christ? Now, one more point just before we get into the detail of the passage. You might remember that at the beginning of our study in James, we noted that some expositors uh, see a major tension or a contradiction between James and Paul's teaching with regard to the subject of justification. Uh, justification is the term in the Bible that's used to describe when God counts and declares a person righteous. And some point to Paul's teaching in Romans where Paul teaches that justification is by faith alone. Uh, Romans 3 verse 28, Paul says, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of law. Justified by faith apart from works of law. Now they say, look at what James says in chapter 2 verse 24. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. James is contradicting Paul. 
He says we're justified by works and not by faith alone. Well, it seems like there is a major theological contradiction here, but there isn't. And it's worth taking uh, just a minute or two to understand why. And four brief points. Uh, First of all, James and Paul are addressing different pastoral concerns. Paul is concerned with how someone is justified before God. It is by faith alone. Faith alone in Christ alone. James is concerned with what does that saving faith look like. He presents his argument with someone who says they have faith. And so how do we know someone has been justified? Is there evidence of a transformed life? The second point is this, that James's argument here presupposes justification by faith. And we see that in the illustration of Abraham. Look at verse 23. The scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God... And it was counted to him as righteousness. That is justification by faith. Verse 24 follows on from that, which is the evidence of that faith in the work it produces. The third point, Paul and James both use the same word justified, but they use it in slightly different ways. Paul uses justified in the term, in terms of, of a forensic declaration in the sense of a judge passing verdict in the court of law. The judge is God and it's his court. James uses the word justified in a slightly different way. He uses it in the sense of evidence being presented to support a position. Now Jesus used the word justified in exactly the same way. In Matthew chapter 11 verse 19 Jesus said, wisdom is justified by her deeds. And it's in that sense that James is using the word justified. What do your practical works say about your faith? And then the final point on this is that there is no contradiction with Paul because Paul teaches exactly the same truth elsewhere in the scriptures. Um, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9 verse 8 for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast justification by faith but read on to verse 10 for we are his workmanship his masterpiece Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Galatians 5 verse 6, Paul talks about faith working through love. Jesus himself taught the same truth in Matthew chapter 7, talking about how to distinguish between genuine and false prophets. Jesus said you will recognize them by their fruits, by their works. So there's no contradiction between James and Paul. Faith and works are complementary, not contradictory. Okay, so 
Let's look at the passage. And Samuel, if, if you could put that slide up on the screen, please, that would be great. Um, in terms of the structure of the passage, James begins with a question in verse 14. And these questions are asked to make a point. Um, James then supports um, his point with three arguments. Argument one in verses 15 to 17. Faith is active. Faith is active. The second argument in verse 18. Faith and works are inseparable. And the third argument in verses 19 to 20. Faith is not mere knowledge. Faith is not mere knowledge. And then having made the argument, James follows that with three illustrations. Abraham in verses 21 to 24, Rahab in verse 25, and then the body, the human body in verse 26. So we'll go through that. So he begins this section with a question. There's actually two questions in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Question number one. Can that faith, can that kind of faith save him? Question number two. Now these are rhetorical questions. James is not asking the questions for an answer. He's asking them to make a point. And his point is pretty blunt. From the second question, it's clear that James is talking here about saving faith. Can that kind of faith save him? Now back up to the first question. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith? Now the first thing to notice is that this someone professes to have faith. They don't have faith. But they profess to have it. Now that's really important to understand. Because the faith that they profess to have does not have works. It is an intellectual faith only. It is head knowledge. It is belief. And can that kind of faith save him? The answer is no. It is a devastating question. And it establishes James' point that faith without works is dead. It is not faith. Now we move on to the three arguments um, that James uses to support his point. The first argument in verses 15 to 17. Saving faith is active. Look at verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food. James paints a scenario here of real, basic, everyday need. There is a cost of living crisis. And you become aware that a brother or a sister in the church is struggling. And they need clothes, they need food, they perhaps need some financial support uh, to help with costs, they perhaps need your time. 
How would you respond? Would you say, I'll pray for you? And and leave it at that. Could you do more? Well, look at verse 16. James says, And one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? James's point here is, Do you offer words and not works? Do you offer words of compassion without showing compassion? Saving faith is active. You know, it's easy to say, I'll pray for you. When actually, you could be the answer to the prayer. By doing something. To help a brother, to help a sister. And whatever that help looks like you know this is a test we were thinking about this this morning from from first john chapter three it's a test of whether we have the love of christ within us um we we read first john three verse 17 this morning if anyone has the world's goods and sees his his brother in need but closes his heart against him how does god's love Abide in him. Saving faith is active. Faith without works, says James, is useless. Look at verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now James's second argument in verse 18. Saving faith and works are inseparable. Look at verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Um, We're just wired differently. I have faith. Uh, I'm into doctrine. I'm into theology. I'm a thinker. You have works. You're different. You're a practical person. You're an extrovert. You're good with people. You're good at helping people. And we're just different. And so we just choose to live our our faith differently. No, says James, that, that doesn't wash. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works, says James. Why? Because saving faith transforms people's lives. God the Holy Spirit invades your life. He invades your body. He comes and lives within you. He transforms, he changes your life. And if there's no change, there's no faith. Again, Ephesians 2 verse 10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus For good works. Philippians 2 verse 12. Paul says work out your own salvation. 
with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God works in and we work out. It's the picture of a mine, you know, full of precious mineral. And that valuable mineral which is stored deep within the mine has to be worked out of the mine for the potential to be realized. So too we need to mine the depths of the spirit within us and work out his power in our lives. Faith and works are inseparable. Now the third argument in verse 19 Saving faith is not mere knowledge alone. Look at verse 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. Now that's a reference to the Shema from Deuteronomy 6. That's the core belief. The affirmation of faith of the devout Jew that God is one. You believe that God is one. Well, listen, says James. Even the demons believe. The demons believe in God. The demons believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. We know who you are, the Holy One of God. Who said that to Jesus? An unclean spirit. The demons obey the word of Jesus Christ. Even the demons have knowledge. And at least, says James, they respond to that knowledge. They shudder. But demons don't have faith. Knowledge is not faith. A question. Three arguments. And he concludes his arguments in verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Now he gives us three illustrations. Uh, Verses 21 to 24, the illustration of Abraham. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Now remember, James is using that word justified in the sense of proving, the sense of providing evidence. And here is the proof of Abraham's faith when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. And here's the point in verse 22. You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. Or or, or Abraham's faith was shown in its fullness by placing Isaac on the altar. Abraham's faith flowered in his works. His faith was an active faith. Faith and works are inseparable. John Calvin said, It is faith alone that justifies, but the faith that justifies can never be alone. Faith and works are inseparable. The second illustration in verse 25. And here we have the, uh, the, the vastness of God's grace. From the, the father of the nation, Abraham, to a Gentile 
prostitute, Rahab, who you may remember in the book of Joshua, when when Joshua sent the two spies to, to spy out Jericho, the city of Jericho, Rahab, at risk to her own life, she hid the spies. Hebrews 11, she, she gave them a friendly welcome and sent them on their way in safety. She had heard the, about the mighty works of God. She had heard. But she believed that the God of Israel was the true and living and one God. But her faith didn't end there. Her faith too was active and it was seen in her works. And then the final and third illustration, the body, the human body in verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, you know, just when the body is separated from the spirit, um, the, the body is is a corpse, it is dead, it is good for nothing, so too faith, apart from works, is dead. Now let's bring this to a conclusion, and let's apply James's teaching to our own lives. Faith can be seen. And this is what real Christianity, this is what real saving faith looks like. It is never invisible. It is seen in my attitude and willingness to help and love others. My my relationships are not tainted by partiality or what I can get out or benefit from in that relationship. They are based on the sacrificial love of Christ. It is seen in my speech. It is seen in my submission and obedience to God's word. I hear and I do. It is seen in the fruit of the Spirit permeating every area of my life. Can my faith be seen? Paul in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 He writes, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. May God help us to do that in light of James' teaching. Am I a double-minded Christian? Am I wholehearted in my service for the Lord. That's what God wants. Wholehearted Christians. These churches were dying. Because of double mindedness. Can my faith be seen? When did my faith last touch someone else's life? In kindness and love. When did my faith last make a difference to someone else's life? May God help us to respond to his word. Let's pray.
Father God, we, we come to you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us through it. We thank you, Father, that we are justified by faith alone, in Christ alone. We thank you for all that Jesus accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives within us, who equips and empowers us to live for you. Lord, may our faith be a working faith. May it be seen active as we serve you. May it be seen in this church. May it be seen in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our communities. May it transform us by your grace and your Holy Spirit. And may we be agents used to transform the lives of others through your power. Bless your word, we pray, for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.